Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. In 1995, Brian Gadden paid two friends $1,000 to make an animated short Christmas video that he could send out as a joke. The two friends were named Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and the duo created a five-minute video called Jesus versus Santa Claus. Graydon sent it out to 80 of his friends via a new technology. Now, keep in mind, this is 1995, so that new technology was email. <laughs> and this video got sent to those 80 friends who sent it to 80 more friends and continued to go on and on and on and on. It became one of the very first what we now today call viral videos. How many of you remember that video? How many of you saw that? Well, I got a chance to see it. I remember when I was in college at the University of South Dakota, go Yotes, uh, <laughs> that one of my friends who had a roommate, or, uh, sorry, had a computer in his room, which was pretty rare back in the uh, you know, late 90s, and he had internet, and he said, you got to come watch this video. And I, I remember watching this video, Jesus versus Santa Claus. And, and anyway, long story, what, what I'm going with that is in 1997, that little viral video led to a full animated series for Comedy Central called South Park which I'm sure maybe most of you are probably familiar with that. Now, I'm not here to condone that show, uh, but if you're a sinner like me, you probably have seen it. <laughs> and, uh, and there's one, basically, if you're not familiar, there's these four little boys from South Park, Colorado, and uh, they get themselves in all kind of mischief. And one of the boys that's on this show is one of the probably the most famous ones that you're familiar with. His name's Eric Cartman. Now, if you're not familiar, there's a picture of Eric Cartman right there. That's what Cartman looks like. And uh, Eric Cartman is one of the most despicable characters in TV history. And I don't think that's an understatement. For those of you who've seen the show, maybe can agree with me. He is completely self-absorbed. And in so many ways, he always says what most people probably only think, which is not usually very good. Now, um, older generation, just to kind of walk you through this a little bit, you might say, oh, these kids these days, they do all this stuff. Well, hold on a second. Eric Cartman was actually based on another TV character from history that older generation probably remember. We'll go, to, go ahead and put his picture up there. Anybody remember that guy? Archie Bunker, all in the family, younger generation. We just lost them, right? But now we're kind of bridging this. See, see, here's the thing about Archie Bunker, if you don't know. He was on a show called All in the Family, and he was a despicable character. He was a complete bigot, a complete racist, not a guy that you want to be around very much. And wh what's the connection between the two? If you don't know this, Trey Parker, one of the creators of South Park, he said he was told that TV audiences today couldn't handle a character like Archie Bunker. And so back in 1997, he made Archie Bunker, and he made him Eric Cartman, a fourth-grade little boy that was a cartoon. And since South Park just completed its 24th season, I would say Trey Parker was probably right in that. Now, you might say, Pastor, where are you going with this? Why are we talking about Archie Bunker? Why are we talking about Eric Cartman? Because we've been in this series called The Biggest Loser. And today, we're going to talk about somebody who is a completely despicable character. But, but I think there's something about these characters. And we all know these people. <laughs> you might have a family member. You might have a coworker. They might be with you today. Don't look at them if they are, okay? And maybe it's you, one of these people in your life that is just a despicable person. 
You just don't even want to be around them. They're just, they're just horrible. And so we're going to look at a character like that today in God's Word. And so if you got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at this character. Because we've been throughout this series. Again, if you're watching online or joining our podcast, um, we've been talking about different people from God's Word who are considered losers. And the guy today that's in Luke 19, I would say is probably one of the most un, un, misunderstood people in all the Bible. He only appears in this one gospel, Luke. You may know with, with the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four accounts we have of the life of Jesus. This guy only appears in the gospel, Luke, in chapter 19. The, all of the things that we know about this person are summed up literally in 10 short verses. Notice the word short. <laughs> about his entire life. And actually, we only have one recorded sentence that he ever spoke. But yet... So many Sunday school lessons have been based on this one little man. In fact, it's so famous, there was a little song that was created about this guy. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You guys know the song, right? That's what I grew up with too as well. Now, here's what I say. The thing about Zacchaeus we need to understand is um, we talk about him being a wee little man, but I think we miss something important about his life when we do that. And if we boil him down just to that, and like I said, you might be familiar with that song. Of course, I've been singing it all week in my head. I can't get it out of my head. When you're preaching about Zacchaeus, it just kind of keeps coming up. But I want us to understand something. Zacchaeus in that day was Eric Cartman, Archie Bunker. He was a despicable human being. Not just, he wasn't just rejected by people in his culture. He was despised. They hated this guy. And can I just add, for good reason. In the same way that we hear those, those two characters on TV, we think, how could you say that? How could you be that way? That's what the people in the day thought of Zacchaeus. Just to catch you up a little bit on the history of this, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, the uh, Jewish people that were um, where Jesus lived and where Jesus was born were under the authority of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire came in and they had this thing where they said, listen, we'll let you live. We won't kill you. Well, thank you very much. But in order to do that, you're going to need to pay us taxes. You're going to need to owe us something. And what they would do is they would hire Jewish people who come and t collect the taxes to send to Caesar. These people were not liked by the Romans at all because they were Jewish. And they were hated by the Jews because they were their own people. They were betraying their own people to these Roman hierarchies. They were completely despised. And that's what Zacchaeus was in those days. And we learn about Zacchaeus in these 10 little verses. But it changes everything about his life and about his ministry. And, and, and again, I want to say this again. There are people in our life that we know that are Zacchaeus that are completely despised, the people you never want to be around. And maybe that person is you. But like I said before, maybe you know an Archie Bunker. Maybe you know an Eric Cartman. But I think there's something about those types of people that really spark our attention. And we're going to unpack that today. So again, Luke chapter 19. I'm going to start in the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, there's two very important statements in those three verses that we want to just kind of unpack before we move on. The first one is, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. 
If you know anything about Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel, starting in chapter 9, Luke started taking Jesus on the journey, his final journey to Jerusalem, where he would ultimately be killed and um, crucified and rose from the dead. That started in chapter 9. Now, I mentioned again, we're in chapter 19. So for the last 10 chapters, Luke has been telling us about Jesus is preparing and Jesus is traveling on the road to Jerusalem. This event happens literally right before Jesus goes into Jerusalem. The very next passage, if you look down in Luke, the rest of 19, is what we call the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. This is kind of Jesus' last stop, if you will, right before the big event of Easter that we know so well. But the second thing that we need to understand about this verse that's really important is that Zacchaeus, this is the one we all know, right? It says in there, Zacchaeus was short, and he could not see over the crowd. Now, I want to play with this for a second because here's something you need to understand about the language that says in there. The language there can actually imply that Zacchaeus wasn't actually physically short. The language in there can actually apply. It can also mean that he was seen as very low stature in the culture, somebody who was basically looked down upon which we know to be true based on the history of the tax collector. Now, I've done my homework, and I've looked at the text, and I believe with most scholars that Zacchaeus was actually physically short too, okay? It doesn't just make the story better. I think that's actually true. But I want you to wrap your mind around that for a second. Because like I said, I grew up in the church, and all I heard was Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And it almost makes him kind of comical. It makes him almost kind of funny. But we forget that he was a human being, wasn't he? And not only was he a human being, he was a despised human being. You see... Let me put it to you this way. When Zacchaeus was in his tax collector booth, he was in charge. He was in power. He could do what he wanted to do. He had the authority of the Roman Empire. But when Zacchaeus was at the market, when Zacchaeus was walking down the road, when Zacchaeus was moving around his neighborhood, he was shunned. He was completely ignored. He was completely despised. If I could just say this way, if you had a birthday party, Zacchaeus was not invited. And if he did show up, guess what? The party probably stopped because this is a guy we don't want to be around. And now word gets out that Jesus is coming through town. This Jesus who's been traveling all over the country is coming through Jericho. And everybody's excited. The whole town comes out to see them. And I just wonder if when they saw this Zacchaeus come around, I just wonder if they intentionally pushed him out of the way. I wonder if they intentionally made a human wall saying, no, Zacchaeus, this isn't for you. Because here's what I want to say. Eric Cartman, Archie Bunker, and even Zacchaeus all have the same desire. This is why I think these characters have endured for so long in our culture and on TV is because every single one of us have the desire to belong. Every single of us have that desire to want to be there. And there's these redeeming qualities that sometimes we see in these characters. And Zacchaeus was short, and he couldn't see over the crowd. And it was like the crowd's way of saying, listen, you're not here. You're not part of this. We're going to block you from seeing Jesus. Church, I want to make a statement that I think is so powerful to what we're going to be talking about today. Sometimes the biggest barrier to Jesus is not sin. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the biggest barrier keeping people from Jesus is not sin. It's other people blocking them from Jesus. Other people looking at them and saying, nope, this isn't for you. 
this isn't what you desire to have, and, and I think that's wrong. So if you got your note sheets, I want to take them out. These are the note sheets on the back of it. It's blank. I always encourage you to write these things down because this is stuff that I want you to take with you throughout your week. And so to set this up for you, I'm going to give you three facts about Zacchaeus. And these are three things we can understand about Zacchaeus, but I also want to think not only about Zacchaeus, I think these are three things that you and I need to know as well and, and things that we have as well. So here's the first one. You can write this down. Zacchaeus didn't measure up. Zacchaeus didn't measure up. Now, I could definitely insert a, sh a short joke here, but I'm way bigger than that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to overlook anybody, but uh, I just don't know if I want to need to get down to your level or not. Okay. <laughs> no. All right, that's it. No more. There's no more, <laughs> no more short jokes, right? Zacchaeus didn't measure up. And that's what he had in life. And I would say the same thing is for you and I as well. Zacchaeus didn't measure up. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at a, um, a conference. And there's probably, I don't know, two, 300 people in the room. You guys have been to these before. And they decided they wanted to take a group photo. <laughs> you ever had that happen? We're like, hey, we want to get everybody to take a group photo. So they have everybody stand up, and they put us in line. And how, what order do we go in line? You remember? Smallest two. Tallest, right? We're going to get in line. Smallest and tallest. Look at the person on your right. Look at the person on your left. You know, move, move to the side. You guys remember these games, right? And if you've been in those rooms before, there's two places you don't want to be. <laughs> you don't want to be right in the front row, right? Because that means you're the shortest person in the room. And you definitely don't want to be right in the back row, right? Because that means you're the tallest. You want to be somewhere in the middle. You guys remember these events where we go and smallest to tallest line up? Here's what I would contend. I think we do that all the time in life, don't we? We always compare ourselves and we always see where we measure up, and where we don't. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. I think sometimes in life, we look and we say, well, I, you know, I'm trying to compare myself to other people. I look at you know, Mother Teresa, and I look at Billy Graham. I'm like, oh, I'm not over there. Okay? But then we turn around, we look over here, we, say, we look at the murderers and the liars and the, you know, the thieves, and, and, and we look over here, we say, oh, well, I'm definitely not that bad. So if I'm, if I'm going to rank myself, if I'm going to go smallest to tallest, I, I'm going to put myself somewhere right in the middle. That's where, that's where we like to be. That's where we, we see ourselves. Church, I need everybody to look right here. None of us measure up. We all fall short. And the most dangerous game we can play in humanity is when we try to play smallest to tallest. When we look around at other people, and we try to rank our sin based on that. Because God settled that in Romans 3, 23. And this is a verse, if you don't have memorized, you should. It says, for all have sinned. Look at that word all. You know what that all, word all means? It means everyone. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's like the little boy who learned this verse and found out that Santa said everybody's on the naughty list this year. <laughs> Which is true. We're on the naughty list every year, family, because this is the thing. We all fall short of God's glory. But here's what Zacchaeus understood, and you and I need to understand as well. He got that. He knew that he didn't measure up. He knew that compared to the people around him, he was despicable. But yet there was something about Zacchaeus, and this is the second thing I want you to write down. Zacchaeus was seeking. Zacchaeus knew that he didn't measure up. He looked around and he said, I know that I'm on the short end of how this goes, not just physically, but also spiritually. But I'm seeking Jesus. I want to see something in Jesus. Back in the day, we used to have this thing called the Publisher's Clearinghouse. How many people remember Publisher's Clearinghouse? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. There. I don't know if they do that anymore. Like the internet maybe screwed that up. Maybe they do. They do? Okay. 
Yeah, they, so they're still around. Well, anyway, this, is, this happened probably years ago. There's a small church in Florida that received one of those mail in the envelopes, but they didn't address it to the church. For some reason, probably in the, the computer system, whatever else, it was addressed to God. <laughs> and, and here's how the letter read. It said, God, we've been looking for you. You're a finalist to receive our $11 million sweepstakes. <laughs> now, the church was kind of surprised by this and thought it was kind of funny. Of course, the pastor didn't return it because he didn't figure God probably needed the $11 million. But it's that phrase that I love that started off with. It said, God, we've been looking for you. Church, if I could think of a phrase that our world is saying in our world today, it would be that phrase. God, we are looking for you. God, we are looking for you in success. God, we are looking for you in affirmation on social media, by likes, by shares, by comments. God, we are looking for you in drugs and alcohol. God, we're looking for you in sex. We're looking for you in relationships. God, we're looking for you in food. God, we're looking for you in anything we can to fill that empty void that's in our lives. We're seeking. We live in a culture that is thirsty for Jesus, and they're looking for that. And I love what Luke says in verse, verse 3. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus He's been hearing about this Jesus guy, but he wanted to see for himself who this Jesus was. Church, can I just say it again? We live in a world who wants to see who Jesus is. But the question we need to ask ourselves is, do they see Jesus in our church? Do they see Jesus in our lives? Because that's what they're going to find Jesus. On the front of your note sheets is our little... Uh, um, well, I don't know what we call this thing, a little bulletin thing on the front. But on the front of it, we talk about our vision statement. And our vision statement is we want people to do what? We want people to meet Jesus. That's what we want people to do. We want people to meet Jesus. And in order for people to meet Jesus, I need to live like Jesus. We live in a world that is seeking Jesus. And in order for them to find it, are they seeing it in us? And the question I ask, do you think Zacchaeus was seeing Jesus in the people around him? No. They were trying to block him from even seeing Jesus. But he's really seeking Jesus. Well, here's the second thing that Zacchaeus, or sorry, the third thing that Zacchaeus knew that you and I need to understand as well. He knew he didn't measure up. He knew who he was seeking. But Zacchaeus did something really important. He went out on a limb. Zacchaeus went out on a limb. The thing you need to understand about our, that culture is that for an adult man to climb a tree, it was completely disrespectful. It was completely, can I just say it, socially inappropriate for an adult Jewish male to climb up a tree. So why would Zacchaeus do that? Because he was desperate. He would do anything to try to find this Jesus because he knew there was something in his life. It was an itch he had to scratch. And look at verse 4. So Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Church, if I could sum it up in one word, it's the word brokenness. Brokenness says, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care about my sin. I don't care about my shame. I don't care if this publicly embarrasses me. I need to change. And the question I want to ask you today is, what would you do to seek Jesus? How desperate do you have to get before you realize, I will do whatever it takes to see this Jesus, no matter what other people think. So church, when you know you don't measure up, Zacchaeus knew he didn't measure up. 
When you truly seek God and want to find him, you will do anything. You will say, okay, God, I, I need this. And for some people, that's setting foot in a church. I've heard people say this before. I told myself I would never set foot in another church again, yet they're there. Why? Because they're broken and they're seeking and they understand truly that they don't measure up. That's the heart that we need to have to church. And I think there's a tendency, the longer we follow Jesus, I think there's a tendency to kind of lose that. I think we kind of fall into this spiritual um, void that we get in where we think somehow we've figured it out and somehow we're on the right path and somehow we, we've got things going. We lose that sense of brokenness. We lose that sense of seeking. Do you know how I know that's true in my life? Is when I stop going out on limbs. <laughs> when we start getting comfortable. We stop taking risks. We, we start thinking about what other people think about us. That's how we've gotten away from really truly being broken. From really truly trying to seek God and understanding our brokenness. See, I don't care what you think about me because I already know what my God thinks about me. And that's the heart that Zacchaeus had. So since now the story turns to Jesus, so go ahead on your note sheet. I'm going to give you three things about Jesus. Since Zacchaeus knows he didn't measure up, Zacchaeus knew he needed to seek, Zacchaeus would go out on a limb. I'm going to give you three awesome promises that Jesus can give you. Here's the first one. Jesus knows my location. Jesus knows my location. Jesus doesn't need an iPhone to track me, right? He doesn't need location services. He knows exactly where I am. And I'm not just talking about physically. God physically knows where you are. We talked about that in week one with Adam and Eve. When God came to the garden, he said, where are you? He wasn't looking for Adam and Eve. He knew where they were at physically. But the question is, we forget where we know where we're at. We forget where we are. We forget where we are spiritually. And some of you today, or maybe you're listening online, maybe you feel like you've been up a tree, or maybe you feel like you're out on a limb. Maybe you think that God has forgotten about you. Maybe you think like God is a thousand miles away. Church, I've got good news. He is not. He has not forgotten about you. He has his eyes on you. He sees every breath. He sees every thought. He hears every word. He knows everything we've ever done. And here's the good news, church. He adores us. No matter what. Jesus and God know my location. Not only physically where I'm at, but they also know where we're at spiritually. And then verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Now I want to go back to where we're talking about at the beginning, where we said Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus was going through Jericho. Jesus knew what was waiting for him. Luke had just told us for 10 chapters all the things Jesus was saying and doing, preparing to the way. So literally his last stop on his way to die, he stops at this tree. He looks up at this little guy named Zacchaeus. And I would say this, church, Jesus knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. In fact, you might even make the case that the whole reason why Jesus went through Jericho is because he wanted to make sure that he met Zacchaeus. And he wanted to make sure that he would change his life and he would change that community forever. And church, that's the same thing Jesus wants to do for us today. Jesus knows exactly where we're at. Look at the rest of verse 5. Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, calm down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Church, Jesus knows exactly where we're at. But here's the second thing that Jesus knows about us. Jesus knows my name. Jesus not only knows right where I'm at, Jesus 
also knows my name. Do you know what I think is really interesting? The first thing, church, the first thing that Jesus says is Zacchaeus. You want to know what I bet? I bet that Zacchaeus was called a lot of different names. And I bet most of the names that Zacchaeus has been called were probably not very positive. In fact, they might have been very negative and very derogatory. I would even go so far as to say I'm pretty sure there wasn't very many people in Zacchaeus' life that would actually say his name, Zacchaeus. They probably had other names for him as well. What do you think it did for Zacchaeus to hear Jesus look at him? This guy who basically the whole town was trying to keep him from seeing, stop what he was doing, look up in this tree and say his name, Zacchaeus. I think that made all the difference for Zacchaeus in the world. See, there's power when we know somebody's name. CNN Headline News interviewed a guy named Scott. I love this guy, Scott. Okay, this is the thing that Scott did. Scott did a very little thing, but it turned into a very big thing, so big that he was featured on CNN Headline News. Every day, Scott would take one of those adhesive name tags that says, hello, my name is. He would write his name Scott on it, and he would just wear it. Everywhere he went to, grocery store, work, hello, my name is Scott. It's, it's kind of weird, but it became this big thing that happened. And this is what Scott says. He said, every time I wear my name tag, people are friendlier to me. Why? Because they know your name. They see it, and they understand it. And church, this is one of the things that we talk about here at Celebrate. We have these name tags. And we talked about this a couple months ago. I encourage you. I said, listen, one of the greatest things we can do at this church is to wear these name tags. And it's not just for you. It's for our guests when they see you and they understand that. Because we've talked about before, you know, how many of you have had a situation where um, you've known somebody, maybe they told you your name, and then you see them a couple weeks later, you completely forget their name. That ever happened to anybody else before? Okay, okay, a few, right? That's why. That's why we do it. Because here's the thing. When you know somebody's name, it automatically lowers those boundaries, doesn't it? And it means so much more significant when people call you actually by your name. This just happened to me. I was at a uh, function in the community this week, and I had my name tag on for my job. And a guy came up to me, and he started talking to me, and I didn't know this guy. But he said, well, I know your name because I saw your name tag. <laughs> right? It's just something about it. It makes you more approachable, more thing. See, there's power in our name. But here's a really cool thing when it comes to God, church. We don't need to wear a name tag for God. God knows our name. In fact, we're never forgotten. We're never insignificant. We're never a nobody. When we're a somebody and somebody knows that name, that somebody's name is Jesus. Jesus called Zacchaeus by his name. And then verse 6. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Here's the third thing that I want you to understand about Jesus. Jesus knows my location Jesus knows my name, but here's the third thing that you need to understand about Jesus. Jesus knows my potential. Jesus knows my potential. See, after Jesus called his name, he said, Zacchaeus, come down, because I must stay at your house today. Now, if you learn the song the same way I learned the song, it's this little song, right, about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, and then you do this, right? You come down, for I'm going to your house today. How many learned the song that way? Right? If you'd be okay. <laughs> Zacchaeus, I don't think that's how it happened. I don't think Jesus pointed his finger and looked at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, you come down. You know what I would have said? No, thank you. <laughs> I would have stayed right where I was at, right? You think you're in trouble. How many of you had that teacher when they said your name? You're like, immediately think I'm in trouble, right? This happened to a little guy named Billy. Um, he was in Sunday school, 
and he was struggling. He was just not listening, having all kinds of problems. And this crabby old teacher grabbed Billy and said, Billy, the devil's got a hold of you. To which Billy replied, yes, ma'am, I believe she does. <laughs> Did not go over well with the teacher. <laughs> yeah, but listen, I bet there was a lot of people in the crowd that day that was hoping that's what Jesus would have said to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to straighten you out. I'm going to teach you a thing or two. And we still do that in the church today, don't we? When we see people and, and we see them and then they're struggling, we want to correct them. We want to straighten them out. But I guarantee you, if that's how Jesus approached Zacchaeus, there's no way he would have got out of that tree. But what does the Bible say? Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. But all the people around him were the problems. And if you miss it, look at verse 7. And this is, I think, one of the key verses in this whole story. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Wow. Here's a guy who is broken. Here's a guy who is seeking. Here's a guy who understands he doesn't measure up. He tries to see Jesus, and he publicly humiliates himself just to get a chance to see Jesus. Jesus calls him by name and says, I'm going to go to your house, and that's the response to people around him. Oh, I can't believe he's gone to be a house of a sinner. And church, we do the same thing today, don't we? And it just breaks my heart when people want to come to Jesus and we put up barriers and we get in their way. And I'm just going to go back to what I said at the beginning. We talk about Eric Cartman, Archie Bunker, those despicable people. If we could just be honest, I think there's some people in our lives that we hope don't find Jesus. I think there are some people we just like, I hope they just burn in hell. I don't think we'd ever say that out loud. Maybe we do as like a curse. But do we really, how do we cheat them? How do we show that by our actions? I think that sometimes we're guilty of that. I know I've been in my life. And maybe there's sometimes we feel that way too. But here's what I want you to understand. Zacchaeus couldn't wait to get out of that tree. He wanted to be with Jesus. Here's something that I want you to understand about Zacchaeus that I didn't know. The name Zacchaeus is a Hebrew word. Did you know that? The name Zacchaeus in Hebrew, do you know what it means? It means the word pure. So whenever the Jewish people would say the name Zacchaeus, it wasn't Zacchaeus, they were saying the word pure. Isn't that just crazy? Jesus didn't see a despised little tax collector. He saw a man who could become pure. So church, I want to ask you from the bottom of my heart, when you look at other people, what do you see? Do you see who their actions show? Archie Bunker, Eric Cartman, that guy at work. <laughs> That family member you might see at Thanksgiving, okay? You only see him once a year, and if you hope you don't see him, but it's there every year, right? That despised person, not just the person you don't like, but just somebody that you just truly despise. What do you see in them? What potential do you see in them? Because you know how Jesus sees them? Jesus sees the potential in them. That doesn't see the sin and the heartbreak and the hurt that they've done. What can they do if they would follow Jesus? And then verse 8 but Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. Here's something I want you to look at in this verse that, that really stood out to me, and I never saw it this way before. Zacchaeus says, if I have cheated. Do you know that in these 10 verses about Zacchaeus, it never once says that he had cheated anybody? For all we know, he could have been straight honest. He was just doing his job. I'm just a tax collector. I'm here to do this. This is what I'm doing. The, the Bible never says that he cheated anybody on anything. He says if he'd had, he would repay it. Now, here's the question I want to ask you to kind of mess with you a little bit. 
you think there might have been some people that took advantage of that? Do you think there were some people when Zacchaeus said, if I cheated anybody, I will pay them back four times the amount? Do you think there was somebody who went up to Zacchaeus, you know, Zacchaeus, you know, about three years ago, I was supposed to pay you one denaria, and you made me pay two. So, you know, time to cash in that chip, buddy. I want to get my money back. Do you think people took advantage of him? Absolutely, they did. I guarantee you that happened. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Do you think Zacchaeus cared? Not one bit. I think he paid it back generously out of the goodness of his heart. Do you know why? I think he knew they were probably trying to rip him off. Because when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, it changes your life. And you don't care what other people say. You don't care what other people do. You say, yes, Lord, I'm here to serve you. And sure, if you want to take advantage of me, great. Because you know what Zacchaeus understood? If you're lying and you're cheating to me, there is a God who's going to find out about that. And I hope you get your heart right. I hope you get it figured out. Because if you don't, you're going to face some wrath. And God's going to come, but not from me. See, that's what happens when God changes. When you understand who you are and what God has called you to do, you don't care what other people think. And I'm just going to make this statement. Zacchaeus was the biggest man in Jericho. Maybe not physically, but I guarantee you, because of what he chose to do, he became the biggest man in Jericho. And I guarantee you, he learned the love of Jesus in ways that we would never possibly imagine. And this guy who was so despised for so long became one of the greatest heroes of the story. But we got to close it by looking at verse 9 and 10, because I think here's the heart of it. we got to look at all 10 verses of this guy's life. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Church, none of us measure up. Not one person in this room, not one person watching online, and above all, this guy standing right here, I don't measure up. And every single one of us are looking for something. And the majority of people in my life are looking for it in all the wrong places. And there's one place you can find it, and it's right here every Sunday morning. And it's right every morning in God's Word. We're seeking that. And how do I know if you become complacent if you get afraid to go out on a limb? If you feel a little afraid to go out there and maybe talk to that person who you know doesn't like Jesus, who, who you're not afraid to, to take a stand and say, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you about my Jesus, even though it might make me look a little ridiculous. I might get laughed at. I might, might not feel so great about it. I'm going to show up on Sunday. But I'm not just going to show up. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to help serve. I'm going to help set up Christmas lights. I'm going to do things that maybe I'm not comfortable with. I'm going to have conversations with people that I don't know, even though I don't like to do that. Why? Because we need to know Jesus. We want people to meet Jesus. The greatest fear I have as your pastor that is as a church, we will form a human wall that will block out the people that we don't really like so they can't meet Jesus and we can all just be with people that we like. I can't stand that church. I want to be a church where we come here and there's some people in here we don't actually like. Did you know that's okay? You can say, listen, I love you as a brother or sister of Christ. You're not coming to my house because I don't really like you that much. <laughs> can we just have permission to say that? But you're welcome here. We love you. We don't agree with you, but we love you, and you're welcome to come here. I'm not going to be a human shield to Jesus. I'm going to allow anybody to come that he can, because you know why? Because Jesus knows exactly where you're at. I don't need to know where you're at spiritually. Jesus already knows, and I'm just going to trust him. My job is not to try to save you or try to convert you into believing in Jesus. The Holy Spirit's going to take care of that. My job is just to step out of the way and make a way for you to go. Because here's what I want you to know. My Jesus knows your name. 
and he's calling you by name. And he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see where you're at. He sees your potential. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I don't care who you know in your life. There's not one person that's too far gone. Every single person has the potential to become a follower of Jesus Christ because you and I got the same privilege, didn't we? And that should be our prayer, church. How can we seek those despicable people? The people that our workplace or our community can't stand. Who are those people? How can we build bridges for them to come to know Jesus and see who this Jesus is? And what things can we say and what things can we do in our lives to show that and to model that? And every Sunday that we can do that here as well. Let's pray. God, of all the people that are in this room, I'm probably the least qualified to stand up here because I know that I don't measure up. But God, I thank you for the fact that I don't have to measure up because Jesus, you already took care of that for us on the cross. Jesus, you took all the sin, all the shame, all the hurt and all the pain. And it says, for the joy set before you, you endured that. And Jesus, just like that day in Jericho, when you saw that little guy up in the tree, humiliated, <laughs> ashamed, you stopped there, God. And you didn't take that moment to scold him and tell him to come down from that tree and, and make him embarrassed, God. You took that moment to value him as a person. You took that moment to say, I love you. I know your name. And I'm so thankful for you. And, and I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to add value to your life where no one else in the community would. I'm going to break down that wall and I'm going to say that I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus, you love it when your children come home. But you love it more when your children make a way for the lost to come home. And Jesus, my prayer this Christmas is that in this room, this will be a sycamore tree where people can come and climb up and take a look at what Jesus really looks like. And when that happens, not if, God, when that happens, we would be the people that wouldn't make a wall, but instead we'd make a bridge. And we would say, come and meet this Jesus that we love and that we serve. God, I'm excited for that, God. I can't wait to meet Zacchaeus one day and ask for his forgiveness for that little song that we all sang about him and for minimizing him into just one little character piece that we think. Because, God, his name is pure. Just like every single one of our names are made pure because of what you did on the cross. God, we thank you for that. We pray for those opportunities and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. Thank you.